Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast, episode 62. Today we are talking the Legends stage of the Katowice Major, roster changes on NRG and Vega Squadron, a couple of new teams that have formed, including players such as Scream and Pronax, a tiny bit about testosterone and our player of the week. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flusher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. So this week saw the end of the legend stage of the IEM Katowice 2019 Major. There were, of course, 16 teams competing for eight spots in the final champion stage. And the 16 teams were made up from the eight previous legends from the face at Major and the eight new challengers from the challengers stage. The first two teams that went out, 0-3, were NRG and Big. And these were quite a surprise to some people, including myself. NRG uh, went down to Nip, Avangar and Complexity. Complexity in their final best of three, losing 2-0. This was quite surprising to, I think, almost everybody because NRG had looked fantastic in the new challenger stage and had topped the American minor coming into it. DAPS, the IGL, put down some of this performance issues to feeling a bit of pressure. Uh, but also we have to remember that they had a lot of maps, a lot of recent demos that the other teams could use to anti-strat. The final best of three against Complexity, which they lost 2-0, uh, both of these matches going to overtime, was not very convincing actually on either side, but it was a pretty hard fought map uh, match and a great uh, best of three to watch. These guys will now have to go through their minors again for the next major in Berlin. Big uh, were another bit of a surprise. They lost to Vitality, G2 and Ents. Ents in their final best of three. This was a pretty, pretty terrible showing from the team that we're kind of used to seeing going quite well in the majors. The losses were actually very close, but it seems like they haven't actually worked everything out with the chemistry in their new lineup. And in his interview with HLTV, Gobby confirmed just much, basically speculating that maybe they hadn't worked out the magic combination to ignite the online talents of Zantara's in a land situation. The next teams that went out uh, actually winning one, but going out 1-3, were Complexity. Complexity lost to Australis, MIBR, and they beat NRG, and then they lost to FaZe in a very close series 1-2. As I said, their victory over NRG was quite hard fought, but neither team seemed very convincing. It was, it was kind of scrappy between both of them. Uh, although there were some very interesting executes from Stan across the uh, maps that they played. They fought very hard against FaZe, and that was one of the best series I saw. More props to Stan for some great individual play in those maps as well. Not completely unexpected with complexity, considering the future of two of their players is uncertain, Ricky and Nothing. Uh, it appears that he uh, Stan wants Nothing to stay on if he's interested. But this lineup wasn't that impressive, really, to perhaps guarantee that these guys, or perhaps guarantee that these guys will stay together. G2 were the next team to go out one to three. They lost to Navi. They beat Big, but then they lost to MIBR and then Ents in their two, in their best of three, losing two nil. This was actually slightly better than expected performance from G2. Personally, they've been in such a slump for so long now, but this is still not at the level of the elite teams for for any of these guys. I think. And it's probably back to the drawing board to work out why they haven't leveled up as, as perhaps as quickly as you would have wanted, considering the level of old school talent they have on there. Uh, Hellraisers also went uh, 1-3 and have been knocked out. They were crushed by FaZe in their first matchup. They beat Ents on Dust 2, but then they lost to Nip and then Cloud 9-0-2. Very disappointing showing for this team who haven't really done much recently. 
but for instance have been a core longer than Cloud9 and have a much more experienced IGL than both Ents and Phase. So I don't know exactly what went wrong here. Speaking of IGLs, Angel didn't put up many numbers in this uh, tournament, so who knows whether he'll be on the chopping block. Uh, the next lot of teams that went out 2-3, that means they had two victories and three losses, were Avangar. Avangar lost to Liquid, they beat NRG, beat FaZe, and then lost to Na'Vi and Ents, both 0-2. According to Flamey, these guys were not playing with confidence, but I think what the biggest takeaway from Avangar showing at this major was that Jame, their AWPA, and I think the IGL too, or at least he's listed by uh, Liquipedia as their team captain, Jame is going to be a megastar this year. It would seem because he seemed to carry uh, quite a lot of those games. Cloud9 also went 2-3. They beat MIBR, then lost to Astralis and Vitality, beat Hellraisers, and then finally lost to Phase 0-2. Now, aside from flashes of brilliance, Cloud9 really hit the cohesion wall against better rehearsed and confident teams. And uh, I think uh, the original victory against MIBR perhaps could, could have been put down to some sort of... Uh, instability issues with MIBR in their first proper uh, game as a press proper LAN as this new uh, new slash old lineup. Mm, it's hard to speculate on the future of the Cloud9 lineup, but but probably they need a lot more uh, team identity going ahead. Uh, Vitality were the last team to go 2-3. They beat Big and Cloud9, but lost to Navi and Renegades and Ninjas in Pajamas. 1-2 to two in best of threes. This is not a bad showing from Vitality, but they had very unimpressive T-sides from my point of view. I think uh, old mate uh, Thorin put out a bit of an incendiary Twitter uh, tweet kind of saying as much, but um, I just think there wasn't a huge amount of uh, stuff going on that felt like they were really a really cohesive team. And when they tended to lose their star players, aka Zaiwu, um, even though we saw some good performances here and there from NBK and Apex, they just didn't seem to have too much going for them other than that. They've, these guys have got a long way to go to create a really top team, I would think, a really top-tier team. Perhaps they're lacking some of the support that the other teams have right now. But anyway, pretty great showing, I guess, from a relatively newly formed team. Uh, now, the teams that made it through... We'll start with a 3-2 bracket. Ninjas in Pajamas beat NRG. They lost to Liquid, beat Hellraisers, lost to MIBR 0-2, and beat Vitality 2-1. So this obviously warms the cockles of all old OG CS lovers' uh, hearts. Dennis was bottom fragging pretty hard at the beginning of this uh, stage, uh, right up until the last map matchup actually against Vitality. He actually tweeted out at some point that he was struggling, but he managed to turn it around my following of Ninjas in Pajamas is so emotion-based, perhaps because they seem so emotion-based in their consistency. Uh, what's going to be fun now is that we'll definitely see them at the next major, having made Legend stage. Their first matchup for the next stage is Astralis. We'll talk more about that later. But anyway, it's great to see uh, Forrest and Rez doing what they need to do in this team. Ents were the second team to go 3-2. They lost to Renegades and Hellraisers and then beat Big, G2 and Avangar in best of threes. They had a very shaky start, like some of the other teams. They're not sure if they've got what it takes to be at the top, uh, personally. But if it was nerves that they had to get over, then perhaps they're at the top right now. And as good as we're going to see them. One little uh, titty-bitty nugget that we need to uh, think about was the fact that Alu had a kid 
basically over the weekend just before <laughs> this whole stage. So he was a father. I thought that would uh, bode well for their uh, confidence heading into it, but um, obviously had his mind on the fact that a new little uh, miniature alu was out there in the in the world. Anyway, I'm not sure that I have huge confidence in those guys for the next stage, but you never know. They've done some crazy things over the last year. The last team that went uh, 3-2 was FaZe. They beat Hellraisers, lost to Renegades of Anger, and then beat Complexity and Cloud9 in best of threes. These guys had another shaky start, but pulled it together uh, in the final matchups against Complexity and Cloud9. Complexity in particular was one of the more thrilling best of threes, as I mentioned before. FaZe had some uh, flashes of brilliance, uh, much like Cloud9. But actually, they had also had some strats that we hadn't seen before, uh, some moments of team play that uh, have, have been a long time in the cupboard for these guys. If they can calm down, it's possible that the new strats from Yanko and uh, perhaps structure might take them further than we think in this tournament. Uh, we have to re- remember as well that being an underdog in some of the tournaments they won last year was what brought them out. Uh, Belo Horizonte, for instance, with the stand-in and IEM Sydney, uh, when Australis were very much the favourites. So if these guys can manage to um, uh, keep that underdog status, perhaps they'll uh, get some uh, Ws in the next re- in the next uh, week. And the teams that went three one were Renegades for, for, for starters. They beat Ents, beat Phase, lost two uh, one against Astralis, and then beat Vitality two one. These guys were obviously the biggest surprise. This is very historical, and as an Aussie, I um, basically had. Uh, paroxysms of joy uh this is the first australian team to ever make the top eight and obviously the first new zealander to be in a major in the form of the mustachioed gratisfaction one thing that's interesting about these guys uh is that pronax in an ama last week he of uh the triple major winning fanatic fame said that um he believes that Fnatic, are, uh, Fnatic, Renegades are close to Australis when it comes to their staff and in- infrastructure, which means that their players will have the best opportunities to compete with Australis. This is uh, something I was not aware of. What I've done is reached out to Renegades, and hopefully I will get a little bit of a chat with them post-major, regardless of how their results go. But this is a fascinating fact, which I had no idea about. I didn't realize they were cushioned on uh, on many sides by the uh, luxuries of a professional organization in such a way as Australis. But that's exciting. Uh, I did not have them as my 3-0 pick as I did in the first stage because, you know, faith can only take you so far. But these guys were incredibly surprising. They did they did take a map off Astralis, which was which was really exciting, and a comeback on Mirage. But um, one of the maps, they just got crushed by Astralis. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's um, it's a fragile thing to be an Australian CSGO supporter, but we've had a large uh, blast of optimism with these guys. All right, not, not going to talk about Renegades for the whole podcast. The next 3-1 team were MIBR, made in Brazil. They lost to Cloud9 in a bit of a weird best of one, then beat Complexity, G2, and Nip in best of threes. Taco said in an interview afterwards that the first loss was nerves, and the following victories uh, suggest that perhaps this team has taken up where it left off back in 2017 and might actually do a lot of damage in the coming major. After all, they have a huge amount of experience and once they get going and once they lose the nerves, they have a lot of team play. Navi was the last team to go 3-1. They beat G2 and Vitality, lost to Liquid 0-2 and then beat Avangar 2-0. 
if you recall, I put Navi down, or if you're in the Discord, I put Navi down to go 0-3 in the challenger stage. I got absolutely debated by old mate Zeus, who came out publicly <laughs> in an interview and what seems to be a 4,000 IQ move and expressed dismay at the attitudes of various team members and uncertainty as to whether the lineup would last. Simple later said that he was just joking, uh, but I definitely got um, sucked in, which it feels like a, a, quite a bizarre cultural difference between uh, Australian, um, how do we say it, sensibilities and the CIS sensibility because it's a it's a tactic that I can never... I could never have imagined ever using in my life. But then again, if you've watched Azusa's videos, he's a very hard to read guy. He's a pretty bizarre guy. He's a bit of a joker. He's a bit of a clown. But he's obviously got a bit of a brain in there as well. I still think there's a big gap between Liquid and Astralis. Liquid and Astralis. Liquid and Na'Vi. Um, but also Astralis and Na'Vi. Because a gap that you can actually see just looking at their stats every time they have a map. For instance, in this 2-0 defeat to Liquid. It's so one-sided uh, on the Na'Vi side. It's so he- bottom-heavy, or top-heavy, I should say, um, in the fact that Simple and or Electronic are top, are top fragging, and then the bottom frag is Zeus and Edward is so much lower. Whereas you look at the stats at a, at a much more well-rounded team like Liquid, and it's far flatter across the board. Uh, so when Na'Vi win, they really win big. But I think when they come up against teams like Liquid and Astralis, there's just not that same consistency there's not that statistical ability to close out rounds so i don't really think that they can win this major um it doesn't seem like anything incredible has happened to their team but of course there's still a dangerous combo now the two teams that went three nil were no surprise liquid were the first one they beat a vanguard nip and navi they didn't drop a map it was business as usual for these guys they're looking absolutely sharp and on point and actually i think this is their tournament to lose the other team of course was astralis they beat complexity cloud nine and renegades uh, Renegades was their only best of three. They went 2-1. Uh, these weren't the hardest matchups for these guys, but still the team members uh, are sick, apparently, with the flu. I don't know if they've still got it, but they were sick coming into that week. So even at their low power, I think they're going to have a baseline high above most other teams. And as long as they've sort of kept their creativity and kept evolving over the Christmas break and all that kind of stuff before this major and in their boot camp i think they're still the favorites to win this but liquid as i said have the hunger that australis probably don't have considering they won every little tournament possible in the last year and now it's time for player of the week player of the week this week was cold zero of mibr the king is back second uh two-time Number one ranked player on HLTV. His stats at the legend stage were uh, the highest out of anybody's. He had 1.38 over five maps. He had the highest damage per round, the highest damage difference per round, the highest kills per round, and his best map, uh, best matchup was against G2. He had 35 kills and 18 deaths. What a monster! 17 uh, kill death ratio and 111.5 ADR. If this guy can keep playing at this level for the legend stage, he is going to crush all before him. Holding ruins. That means Kenny either has to go aggressive with the AWP and catch off Cold, or work back around and go CT. Cold figures he's still there because Taco's not cold. He's gone any further. Gets the deagle shot. Chucks might just bail. He might just grab the off and work his way out. Not a ton of money on the CT side, and Cold's denying that as well. A spectacular arms on 6 HP to watch Ruins, making sure he can do so. They've got angles, not a lot to work with. 
No kits on the CT side, but with four players, you think they can get in. Cole's using the mountain to perfection. Six HP, he finds two kills, three in the round in total. Elsewhere. Now A-Main is going to push in. They've got so much ground already covered. Here comes Colterra with the Desert Eagle. He's picked up two, make it three, and he's still somehow alive. This is another player, another body they're going to have to deal with. And in doing so, it draws smoke afterwards, but he's going to be on the right side of the smoke, plus the Molotov. This could really bait Nip into a horrible spot, but he goes out with a pop flash. There's two, the bomb's dropped alongside it, and down goes Forest Cold Zera. Ice cold. Now, the matchups going into the next week are as follows Astralis versus NIP. This is going to be fun because. NIP, if you recall the face at London major, these were the only guys who really had Astralis on the ropes at any point, uh, mostly down to some incredible individual plays, but also the fact that they were really quite strong on Mirage. So this, as I said, is going to be an emotion-based map if NIP can really keep it together, if Rez can keep his head, if Lecro can do some sweet digs, they might actually have a bit of a chance, but I don't think uh, most people's money is going to be on NIP. Uh, because Astralis are just so damn good. The next matchup is Renegades versus MIBR. This is a new, freshly minted success of Renegades. Uh, perhaps some nerves. Who knows what sort of psychology, uh, psychological tricks as is spinning versus the nostalgic rehashed kings of MIBR. This will be a really fun one to watch. There's going to be a lot of emotions involved and perhaps some historicism some historical precedents, some moments, some more moments will be set in stone. Uh, Navi versus FaZe is the last, uh, is the third matchup. If FaZe remember, they're not the favorites here. As I said before, they might actually win this. Uh, it's going to be a confidence thing, I would say. Ants versus Liquid. This should be an easy win for Liquid. This is the last matchup. Uh, they're just not nearly as creaky as Ents. Ents can have some really brilliant... T-sides especially, but uh, they're somewhat creaky on their CT sides, and I think Liquid are a far more dynamic team at the moment, so I think this should be a pretty in-the-box win for these guys. Now, in terms of the Pick'ems, I am a dyed-in-the-wool contrarian. I'm uh, putting Nip to win, Renegades to win, FaZe to win, Liquid to win, <laughs> and then if you want to see the rest of my pickums, you can go onto my Discord where I've posted them uh, and be shocked at uh, how irrational and yet um, optimistic my pickums are. Let's move on to some roster changes. Chopper has left Vega Squadron. The 22-year-old Russian Leonid Vishnyakov has been with Vega since the end of 2016. Seems to be his choice. These guys were knocked out of the minors, unfortunately for them. They could not replicate their previous major success. If you saw some of their content, actually, um, before the minors, you might see that they were actually a little bit too focused on the replication of their victory against NIP that knocked them out of the major cycles. Perhaps that was actually what was going on, or maybe it was just a meme organized by the managers. Anyway, it's a shame to see this guy out of Vega. It's been a long time on the team and has had some very historic uh, moments on there, especially at the majors. The other roster change for this week is still just a rumor, but it's been uh, confirmed as a pretty credible one by a couple of sources, including DK on VP Esports. And they have announced that Fugly 
on NRG will be replaced by Tarek. This could be a good injection of fire into the fairly subdued lineup. We know Tarek's a pretty spirited guy, and Fugly is not necessarily the most uh, visible member of that team. And in fact, everyone on the everybody on that team, uh, Daps, Ethan, Cirque, uh, Breezy, seem like pretty quiet guys outside of the server. Who knows how Daps and Tarek are going to go together? These guys seem like a bit of a personality mismatch, but perhaps Tarek is everything that this team needs to keep them in the top five on a basis consistent. I guess it was the shocking results at the major that triggered this change, but apparently there was some talk of this replacement happening before then. If the players knew about it before the actual major, then I can't. Uh, then I can't help but speculate that perhaps this knowledge was part of the reason they did not play to their full potential when push came to shove. Uh, let's move on to a couple of teams that have formed in the last week. Ancient, a Swedish team, has reformed. Ancient was originally a team that Pronax formed in 2016 when he left Fnatic, along with Schneider, Devilwalk, Palf, Twist and RDL, as coach, Lecro later joined, and these guys became the Godsent team, which had a great run in the initial stages of their formation. The new roster of Ancient are now Pronax and Schneider once again, but this time with other three uh, three other Swedes, Robin, Kreitz, and Pepper. Robin, you may know, was banned for about four years, I think, by Valve for a little bit of uh, cheating. <laughs> but Kreitz and Pepsor, uh, Pepsor are young guys, and perhaps this is the blood that the old dogs need to get back on the map. They've actually since had their debut big game against Sprout for the IEM Sydney qualifier, where they got squashed. I think it was 16-4 or 16-3 or something. These guys are currently looking for an org and some sponsors, so if you're interested in getting some OGs back on the map, uh, these guys could be the ones to sponsor. Another exciting team that has formed this week it goes into the name of Uruguay, and it consists of HS, Existence, Draken, Scream, Hampus, and Krilla. If you recall correctly, Red Reserve disintegrated over the last couple of weeks, and three of their people jumped from that uh, drowning ship into this new team. That was Draken, Hampus, and Krilla. Krilla is a coach. Existence obviously comes from the burning um, building that was G2. And Scream has come in from the wilderness of no chance, which is exciting to see him on a team that perhaps has a little more structure around it than the no chance boys. HS finally, uh, HS of course uh, ended up on Tempo Storm after his uh, bouts with Optic and whatnot last year. He has been uh, teasing and blow-drying his bouffant without the pressures of a team since about December last year, I think. These guys could actually do something if they're willing to listen to Draken, uh, Draken existence. They actually come with a coach, so they're looking for an org too. They're looking for sponsors. And I think if you were to go between either of these teams, uh, you, you might want to go the international one. Although, who knows? Swedish CS has been a bit of a uh, slump compared to its old form, and perhaps it's time for another resurgence. Finally, let's move on to a little bit about testosterone. I just wanted to stick a little bit of uh, goodness in here for those who listen to this potty uh, for news about 
life and stuff. Um, there hasn't been much of that recently because there's been so much CS and I assume for those uh, avid listeners, uh, you probably can't kind of squash this podcast in before the next uh, maps start, the next matchup start. Uh, and there's been a lot going on in my life that I haven't been able to process because I've been working uh, pretty hard. But one thing I've been thinking about <clears throat> quite a lot actually is testosterone and how I naturally produce it because I've been on the dating scene again and I can really see the difference when I have testosterone and when I don't. And I had a large surge when I stopped being sick, probably because I was so happy that I wasn't sick anymore. Uh, but since then, it's 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 dipped a bit. I think, I think mostly the reason is sleep. But um, I've got more kind of self-research to do about it. One of the things that I found last night while just doing a little bit of reading about testosterone that I thought was interesting um, was this little paragraph here, basically, and I'll read some of it out. Men produce 20 to 30 times more testosterone than women, and men need to replenish their testosterone levels to feel successful, which is a thought that I'd never really thought about. When men feel successful, they have lots of testosterone. When they experience a setback, they lose testosterone. This means they need to replenish their stores after a loss or failure. Normal levels of testosterone are linked to feelings of success in men. When men face difficulty or failure, their testosterone levels will begin to drop and they'll experience lowered spirits or even feel depressed until their levels are replenished. And this is why men tend to need space after a long, hard day. Unlike women, they often do not immediately seek out social support or need to verbalize their thoughts. This dynamic also defines some of the reason why men will often ignore a difficult problem. Avoiding the issue or shutting down gives them time to think through the issue, oftentimes in solitude. This allows men to recoup and replenish their testosterone levels and gain the mental strength and drive to tackle the issue. Uh, just a note from me here. I actually think sometimes the reason we put off the a difficult problem is because dealing with the problem when it's become almost too late actually gives us the rush of danger that in some ways seems to spike, I don't know, energy levels or focus or concentration. Perhaps it's testosterone, I'm not sure. Anyway, back to this little paragraph that I found online. Women might misinterpret a man's shutting down as avoidance or standoffishness, but actually they are getting their chemistry right so they can process the issue. In short, men need to give themselves time to rebound and women need to be patient with men who need time to process. I know I've got a few listeners, well, probably quite a few listeners, if, if the people who reach out to me is any indicative, is indicative of the uh, statistical spread. Um, uh, I know I've got, I know I've got uh, quite a few listeners in the 30s. Uh, I'm sure some of you are married. Uh, next time you're... Uh, better half gets slightly annoyed by the fact that you come home and sit in front of the couch or sit in front of your computational device and play some CSGO, just remind her that men's testosterone levels levels need to be replaced in order for them to be effective at solving issues. You've had a hard day at work. And scientifically speaking, you'll be far more effective once you have uh, had this sort of a rest Personally speaking, I think that's why my testosterone levels have been dropping of late. I haven't even had a single day in the week where I haven't been working. And sometimes it's just like a single afternoon that can be really helpful. Walking around, even in miserable London, uh, although it's been nice in the last week. Walking around, uh, going to a cafe, just sitting down, 
doing what seems like the absolute easiest, most comfortable, most relaxing thing for you to do at the time. So that's it, a little bit about testosterone. Uh, I hope you can avoid some of the news this week. We've got a burgeoning, uh, burgeoning nuclear war between India and Pakistan. Trump's been exposed by his own lawyer as a fraud and a cheat and a racist. It's all happening. Um, but the champion stage, that's what I'm focused on. <clears throat> Pardon me. If you enjoyed the podcast and you're focusing on the champion stage too, get in touch. The Truth at The Truth CSGO on Twitter at The Truth CSGO, the Discords and the Twitter. And until next time, oh, I should mention, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm getting some frogs in the final seconds of this pod. But Josh Josh is the guy who did the uh, Player of the Week audio this week. What an awesome legend. Sounds really good, Josh. Thank you very much. And we are affiliated with CSGO2Asia and the music was by Beaufort. All right, enjoy the game. <laughs>